Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. We're not experts, but my name is Garb and today we're here with Isa. Hola. And we will be discussing the coronavirus. Yes. Do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Isabella. I'm just here guest hosting with Garb. Yeah, that's it. Cool. So our topic for today is the coronavirus and it sure has been impacting um, us here in high school and it's been impacting the whole world in a whole variety of ways. So uh, what do you want to start off with? Um, I would just like to start off with the laws that are being made right now because of it, especially since we live in Georgia. As you know, our state is the first ones like open back up and there has been so many memes so much everything on the news because of what's going on in Georgia right now. Right, right. So yeah, what was uh, what was the, some of the stuff you found? I found, so Governor Kemp is now extending public health emergency for all of Georgia. He said this is something just from an hour ago that I was reading. And just about a week ago, he decided to, maybe less than a week ago, he decided to open up. It was actually on Friday, um, the... 24th that he decided to open up and yeah that's what that's what i have too it's just insane that he would do that yeah it doesn't make much sense because we have um it's like he said that more important businesses or we're gonna do like a full reopening right Mm -hmm. and first of all i want to preface this by saying that president donald trump has said that he strongly disagrees with Georgia Governor Brian Kemp's plan to reopen part of the state's economy, mm-hmm. especially because what Brian Kemp is doing is he's opening beauty salons and like haircut establishments Tattoo and other establishments parlors. that would. It's like yeah, that, yeah, places that, that would completely a... spread the coronavirus. Exactly, you know? it's like the places that you would least want to open up. That's what he did. It's like mm-hmm. think about all of the people that sit down at a hair salon that use the same shampoo that use conditioner whatever touch the just everything in that store or even tattoo parlors you never know that they clean the needle sometimes they don't that is like the number one way to pass on the coronavirus i don't think it makes much sense also like as far as we go like i'm getting getting a little worried because if we do reopen now then we're probably going to have another wave of the coronavirus Mm -hmm. just because that's how it spreads like um, if we could have spread it out by locking down and doing quarantine, that might have been a better outcome. But now um, people are even talking about for for high school, like completely doing away with gatherings, like as far as like sports go. Uh, and you have to do like sports over Zoom, right? Yeah, I do because I played for a national Premier League team. So he wants to keep us, my coach wants to keep us like intact, still like exercising still making sure we're fit we don't lose our touch on the ball etc but we don't know because tryouts for the whole state of georgia is either the first week of june or the second week of june and it's Mm. very probable they're gonna have to postpone it and that's never happened before because we need Mm. the tryouts to be early so the decisions can be made the tournaments etc so this is like a big thing that's going on but that a lot of people do not realize and another thing is, like, it doesn't make much sense, right? Because we have the CDC in Atlanta, and public health officials have warned Kemp about moving too quickly. And actually, some business owners, in um, typically in less conservative areas, are saying that they will keep their doors closed, even if it means, like, a loss in money, because they think that in the long term, it would probably be worse for the economy. Mm-hmm. Kemp, I don't know, Kemp is weird, because he's always been kind of 
the um trump's his like model right because he yeah. ran on the platform of being like trump mm-hmm. uh he ran on the platform of like um doing stuff about illegal immigration and uh things like that but he still seems to be overstepping his boundaries in the specific area exactly. and you know when your role model says you're doing something wrong you typically should stop but that doesn't seem to be the case here that's what i was thinking of like, your point exactly because if you see Trump has said, Donald Trump, our president, has said that this is not right, that we need to, um, how do I say, we need to stop the coronavirus from spreading, this is all this, and he's coming up with insane cures that he says, like, the detergent, what was it, the... Yeah, yeah, like injecting Lysol or ingesting Lysol, household cleaners as a way to combat the virus. Which is totally ridiculous. And he even didn't want to speak one day. Right after he made this abs- that absurd comment that he wants to do that, it's just like you would think maybe he's trying to make him be the first one to open to see if it starts yeah. like... Because there's no way that he's going to do it and not have the president's back, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. And I think that um, in general, I feel like whatever Trump says is not going in this specific situation. Like um, one thing that he is doing is leaving a lot in the hands of state governors, which I think is a better, a better solution than what he was proposing earlier of doing a phased reopening of the entire country. Cause I get, um, I get that different areas of the U S are in different situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do think that was a good call, but I still think that some state governors like Brian Kemp are making pretty irrational decisions that could affect not only the future of like the economy, but also the future of like what our school is going to look like, you know? Yes. Um, And one thing that's been, one thing that's been really, um, it's been a really big change in my life is like uh, the schools are now preparing for, for the worst, you know, like they're preparing to go into full lockdown next year or preparing to do like a phased reopening of the school similar to the economy uh, or doing like, um, a and b groups at a school where they have half the school uh, half the students at the school at the school at a specific time to maintain um distance and to make contact tracing and isolation easier Mm -hmm. Um, and i think the coronavirus in general will have um a lot of changes on what we like to call like social gatherings and social interactions because of the way it transmits itself and how contagious it is exactly and what's funny is that we, um, the people that had the flu, for example, in the beginning, like January and February, there was probably a big percentage of them that had COVID-19. For example, like, I have to go, as you know, I was out sick for two weeks and I didn't go right. to school because I was so sick. I have to go and get the antibodies as soon as they're out to see if I had corona. Because of how sick I was and because of the symptoms I've had, they're not, it's not like the flu. I feel like people are underestimating how bad it is because whenever I had it, I thought I had the flu, but something inside me is just like, you don't have it. You have something else because the headaches I had, I had migraines. I've never had migraines. Never. I've had the flu four Mm -hmm. times and I've never had a migraine or migraines because i had more than one um that were so bad and so constant the same with the respiratory issues the chills what the people describe is just like most people from the outside that do not have it would be like oh it's fine i'm young you know 
it's not going to affect me, but it's one of the worst things ever that I've had to deal with. And I've been sick with so many different things. Yeah. And one thing that uh, we are starting to realize more and more is that the coronavirus, if you're young, you're not immune to the coronavirus. So like my, my mom had the coronavirus um, because she had exposure to it at the nursing home mm-hmm. uh, where she worked. And she has had a pretty bad experience with it. Like she's, she's still in quarantine right now. I do believe she's getting the test result back either today or tomorrow. But it's been a pretty bad experience for her. And she is, um, she is on the more healthy side of things. Yeah. So if you're young, it's not like you're immune to the coronavirus. No, of course not. There's been so many. It's miraculous to see that there's people that are young, teens, that are dying to this virus. That apparently that mm. won't affect the young ones. That won't affect people under 20, whatever. Like I saw one in France, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. He died at 15 or something. There's just been too many, and that's mm-hmm. not. And then also, like you have the, um, you have the thing where people who are immunocompromised have um, are more vulnerable to the coronavirus, mm-hmm. like diabetics. Yeah. Um, I have a good friend who's a diabetic, and he requested that for this episode I might talk about the effect of coronavirus on diabetes. And the fact is that if you have um, an immune system or just any system in your body that is uh, functioning at less than quote unquote the highest capacity that it can you are more vulnerable to the coronavirus asthmatics are more vulnerable to the coronavirus exactly. people with hiv and aids are crazy vulnerable to the coronavirus people with existing respiratory illnesses and i think that if you decide to go out even with the coronavirus in the public or if we decide to lift the lockdown it's a little bit of a selfish outlook just because like you're not quarantining for yourself to an extent. You're quarantining so other people don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what some people need to understand a little more. Exactly. Because my mom is a doctor, as you know. Both of my parents are. Mm-hmm. But she has been seeing these people one-on-one. And it's so she tells me it's so sad because they either regret going out or they were trying to do something. Like, there are some cases that you can understand, like... For example, there was one she told me that I believe went outside just to exercise, but it was in her neighborhood. And a guy walked by coughing, I guess, and she still got it. But you can get it so easily. And you're definitely not immune at any age. Exactly. Uh, And speaking of immunity, we um, just looking forward at what the future of the coronavirus will be. um, The BBC put out an article called Coronavirus Immunity, Can You Catch It Twice? Not a lot is known about how immunity functions with the coronavirus and some people that are thinking that immunity would be a good defense against the coronavirus are starting to think that maybe we could have like immunity passports for people that have already um, gotten over the coronavirus and that can maybe start going back to work, which I think is a good idea. But um, the coronavirus is pretty highly mutative. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people are saying like it might be dangerous to start going back to work too early because there's so many different strains of it. My mom actually is the medical director of a couple nursing homes, right? Mm-hmm. And she suspects that each of those nursing homes is infected with or infested with a different strain of coronavirus. So the basically the way immunity works is your white blood cells can recognize what the virus is by a specific part of the virus. But the thing is, the virus is constantly changing because it is an RNA virus. Mm-hmm. So um, RNA or ribonucleic acid, uh, when the virus makes copies of itself, 
it has to copy its genetic material or the information it needs to function. So when it does that, um, it replicates very inaccurately, which can mean a lot of changes to the virus. Um, and so in that way, it is similar to HIV, but it is not, it's not in the same ballpark as HIV. It's just the way it replicates is very similar. I saw that. I saw that they're, they were saying, I saw a scientist, a guy that said that in Europe, it's been a lot worse. The virus itself is a lot worse over there than it was in the United States. And also that there are like eight different versions of it. So that it's already been mutating. And we don't know if one vaccine will work for one, not the other, or if it'll work for all of them. It's because nobody knows how this works yet. So, um... Another thing with immunity uh, that they've been doing research on is uh, there's six, six coronaviruses that scientists are kind of taking cues from to understand how immunity works with the coronavirus, four of which produce the symptoms of the common cold. And if you've ever had the common cold, you know that um, it's very, it recurs very quickly. Uh, immunity is very short-lived and you could be reinfected within a year. And then on the other hand, you have SARS and MERS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome and Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, which were um, big a, quite a few years ago, uh, as far as my life goes. But as far as SARS and MERS go, immunity can last one to two years or longer. Uh, and it is possible that second infections, if they do happen, would not be as severe. So scientists are kind of relying on the fact that immunity, like herd immunity, could be um, a possibility if the virus becomes widespread enough while we're in the quarantine, um, but it's not a it's not a set in stone fact that we have immunity to the virus after we're done with it, mm -hmm. which is why we are currently developing a vaccine. We have a very big phenomenon, almost thirty percent according to CNN poll, that uh, people believe the coronavirus is made in a Chinese lab. Um, and it is almost uh, certain that it is not. Uh, this is something that we would like to discuss and assure that this is not a fact in any way. Um, it's Scientists have already said no pretty firmly, um, but as rumors spread and conspiracy theories spread, it's ever harder to combat misinformation. So uh, we're going to do a little bit of discussion on this. I heard about this. My mom was telling me about it because at first, you know, like you said, as rumors spread, she heard about it and she thought that it was true because there has never been a virus like this where with all this technology we have and that we wouldn't be able to stop it sooner, that they thought it would just go and directly attack the body, that there would not be a way to stop, stop it. That's why it's two weeks long, the symptoms, etc., the fevers being so high. But as you said, rumors, it is not made in a Chinese lab. It was just somebody eating in Wuhan, was it? Uh, yeah. I believe that's yeah. where it was. So according to uh, immunologist Nigel McMillan from the Menzies Health Institute of Queensland, um, he's saying that if you're going to design the coronavirus in a lab, the sequence changes don't make sense because um, previous evidence would tell you that it would make the virus worse. Uh, and no system exists in the lab thus far to make a lot of the changes found. And because it is an RNA virus, like a lot of people have been speculating about the use of CRISPR, um, RNA, CRISPR is a DNA gene editor, um, and um, RNA would be very hard to pull off in that kind of a setting. 
So it is definitely not made in a lab. Um, it's not genetically manipulated. Um, it are definitely originated through natural processes. It bears almost complete similarity to a virus that we would find in a bat. So more specifically, two features of the virus, the spike protein and the distinct backbone, uh, which is basically if the coronavirus is shaped like a ball, it has spikes coming off of it. So the spike protein and the backbone of the virus completely rules out laboratory manipulation just because we don't have that kind of um, technology either widely available or at all. And a lot of people are saying, like the there was a previous HIV doctor that was saying that the virus was made in a lab from France. Um, but frankly, a lot of the scientific community has said, this is not the same as HIV, you know? Um, and this virus is different from anything we've ever seen. Um, but there is uh, overwhelmingly enough evidence to debunk the theory that it was made in a lab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just, it's insane that people would even think that at first. Because think about it, even logic, this is me not reading. Let's say I didn't read anything. Why would you, right. let's say it was made in a Chinese lab. Why would you put it on your people first? Mm -hmm. And so many people died there. And as you saw, but they're coming back now from mm -hmm. stats I saw. Yeah, and another thing is, there's a lot of speculation that, oh, China is killing off their own people to show that they have the might that they need. Like, look, if you're killing off your own people, you're kind of ruining your own might, mm -hmm. right? And you're hurting your own economy. Exactly. So it's not like... It's not like it's in China's best interest to let this virus loose on China and eventually the U.S. Um, and so, like, the spread of coronavirus has been um, so, so unpredictable that it's really impossible that China did this on purpose and has a set plan for the spread of the coronavirus. And even thinking about it, let's say this goes on for a few more months everything is going to change I, what i think a lot of people haven't even thought about is the lack like the economy how bad it's going to be once everything mm -hmm. gets back up again there's going to be so many more people in debt um for example with schools they're not going to have the materials maybe and even let's say for private schools like they were saying earlier that they're going to have to like reduce prices or make sure that the students that have been going there can still keep going there despite the parents not getting the work that they were getting before. Right. Yeah, that's a big problem. It's a lot of the coronavirus is making a, um, a lot of people like it's getting making the, a lot harder for them to have the necessary resources to go to school um, and even attend remote school and things like that. You know, there's only a couple. I from the people in Georgia that I know that go to different schools, there's only a couple of them that have Zoom classes. Not all of them even have those, are lucky enough to have the technology to be able to still contact their teachers, still be learning, like, <laughs> screen to screen. But it's still, they're just having to kind of YOLO yeah. what they're doing. And uh, the, the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics has released... Um, a graph of uh, how people have filed for unemployment benefits. The weekly average for unemployment benefits is around 350000 oh And in the last six weeks, um, people filing for unemployment benefits in the United States has gone up to like $30 million, That is insane. Which is about like um, $5 million unemployment benefits filed per week. 
which is a record high, actually. And the stock market definitely um, has recovered from its initial dip in April, um, but it is still like 20% lower than where it was uh, come January and February, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely what we're looking at as far as the economic impact is very scary. Um, and oil prices. Oil prices actually went negative. Um, people were paying other people to take oil off their hands. It's at the level where it was in like 2002 right now. Um, at like, or even lower, in fact. Wow. Worldwide, there has been a total of 3.25 million cases confirmed. Mm-hmm. There's been 1.01 million people that have recovered. And mm-hmm. there has been 231,000 deaths. Wow. Now, just in the United States, we passed 62,000. We're right now exactly, or from the data that I see here, 62,444. The numbers speak for themselves, for sure. Exactly. And it's just like, the, and you want to start opening, not you, but the government wants to start opening stuff up again. Like, Mm -hmm. what you're going to do is cause more damage. If there's more people that are dying, there's going to be less people to bring back the economy, number one. Mm -hmm. And number two, you want to help your people. Why would you not want to help those instead of making them go to work? Like, okay, we're going to actually make a mandatory stay at home. You have to stay at home. It has to be, yeah, it's going to be a ghost town. Yeah, the economy is going to drop. But I would rather for everyone to be safe and then for things to go back to normal easier and quicker instead of having little people go and then more corona, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that people aren't necessarily understanding uh, as much as they should is that coronavirus, if we don't stay in lockdown, we will actually end up reopening later than if we would if we tried to phase the reopening of the economy now. Uh, and that is because the coronavirus spreads exponentially. So whenever a healthy person, basically a healthy person, whenever they come into contact with a sick person, the coronavirus does not um, spread immediately to them. Like they don't immediately become sick. Um, they can actually uh, have a few days of dormancy of the virus. Or if they're in very good shape, the virus won't manifest itself until maybe up to a week down the line. Mm-hmm. So, that's why they're like carriers there are some that are carriers that don't get it at all they don't have the symptoms but they can still pass it on to other people so that's what makes this so complicated because most people if you get it like for a different virus if you get it you get it and you know you have it because of the symptoms but this one's so mm-hmm. different because you can either be a carrier and pass it on to somebody without even knowing it or of course you'd have the symptoms and know that you have it you can think about it like if one person comes into contact, one person that has the virus comes into contact with three people, right? So what's going to happen to these three, three, these three people is that they're going to get sick. Mm-hmm. But over the course of the next few days until they realize it, not even the next few days, even the next few hours, if each of those people infect three people, you've got 13 people who are sick. And you can imagine that from three people getting infected, from one to three to 13 you're eventually going to end up with a huge, huge number of um, coronavirus cases on your hands. And until people start to recover, that's not going to get better. 
And I think the quarantine is kind of a way to slow that interaction between people until we can figure out a way to deal with it. I just think that there should be more... I feel like people need to stop being so ignorant, honestly. Mm -hmm. It's just like people don't understand. Like the in Michigan, I believe it was, there was these people that were literally saying freedom is key. Freedom, I'm mm -hmm. not going to stay... It's like, it's not about your freedom. It's about the health of others. You can't be so selfish about yourself and be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I don't want to stay at home anymore. I'm going to go insane. It's like, that's fine. Go on a walk outside, that's but okay. don't go and infect others because they can be in worse conditions than you. Sorry, go. <laughs> no, 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 it's okay. Um, at that point, you're encroaching on the freedom of others, right? Because if you decide to go outside and you decide to put yourself at risk of the coronavirus, you're also putting everyone you interact with at risk of the coronavirus. And if those people are immunocompromised, if those people have a particularly bad case, if those people are more vulnerable, if those people end up dying, it's your fault. You're taking away their right to life, you know? And it's, I think it's kind of a twisted way to look at things if you say, this lockdown is encroaching on my freedom. Because it's not encroaching on your freedom. It's ensuring the freedom of you and everyone else. And ensuring that you guys can live your life like you should, you know? It's just that health. The most important thing about a person is one's health. Mm -hmm. And if you go and you invade that, the one thing that should be the most important, thats it doesn't make any sense. Another thing that infuriates me a little bit is the... Um, Analogies that people draw between the coronavirus and the flu because they are not the same virus. No, not at all. You're, you've got um, a much different case with the flu because the flu will affect everyone, but it'll affect everyone relatively equally. Like it does, it does have a virus towards elderly people, like flu outbreaks in nursing homes are never good. But the coronavirus is particularly deadly towards the elderly um and in fact the coronavirus has a death rate that's um last i saw i think it was 25 times that of the flu it was 2.5 percent of everyone who has the coronavirus dies um whereas 0.1 percent of everyone who has the flu dies exactly and another thing is that we have a vaccine for the flu mm -hmm. like it or not if you think it doesn't work or not it doesn't matter we have a vaccine it has been scientifically proven there's been people that have been tested and it works, etc. For the mm -hmm. corona, there has not been one vaccine. There's been little things that people have been saying that works, but in reality, it hasn't been working. And so, like you said, those analogies, they also, it's, it's so, it makes me angry because it's like, they're two very different things. And if you think that it's the same, then you're completely wrong because that would not explain all the people that's dying. That would not explain all of the people. It's so much easier to get infected. A, a numerous amount of things that people do not understand because they do not want to face the fact that this could change them and the world they're living in. So, so another thing that's happening right now is as far as coronavirus deaths go, um, coronavirus deaths are being ruled as coronavirus deaths only if a person has been like, um, there's some obscure rule about it. It's like if someone has been admitted with only coronavirus or they've been they've tested positive for coronavirus. Mm -hmm. um, but for people that might have like 
uh, an immunocompromised system that might be more susceptible to the coronavirus, their death might be deemed as like, oh, it's pneumonia or it's asthma-related death. Um, so that's one thing that I think is really affecting uh, the data we're seeing right now. Uh, and on the other hand, you have probably a lot more coronavirus cases than we think because we can only confirm a coronavirus case if someone tests positive, which is why I think the lockdown is the best way to go until we can get a handle on all these things. Exactly. There's been, like, there's probably been so many more people that have that have the coronavirus, but they don't know. Like you said, they haven't get, gotten confirmed in a test. So it's just the numbers could be so much higher than we know. And we could blame it on something else. We could say this, we could say that, but we have to realize, we just need, like you said, a lockdown, but one that's mm. more efficient to where it will work because I'm looking at the numbers right now and it's insane to see New York and all of those nurses, If you, I don't know if you've seen the videos of them like crying because they're like, it's so hard to be able to want to help them but you can't because mm -hmm. they don't have the right supplies. Right. Whether it is to protect themselves, so that way whenever they're um, with the patient, they can also help the patient without getting infected, or mm -hmm. they don't have the right supplies to treat the patient. There's a, what is it, ventilators? Something that they, yeah. ventilators? Yeah, yeah, that, mm -hmm. They don't have enough of them for mm -hmm. the patients and you see it's so yeah. sad the truckloads of people that are dying and there won't be funerals because if you touch the dead body you're gonna get covid another uh they were talking about the shortage of ventilators in italy and what uh, it's it's awful it's a really terrible thing but they're having to make the decision to um, supply ventilators to younger people who need them um just to maximize lifespans you know because um while elderly people like Elderly people are deciding, either deciding to give their ventilators mm -hmm. or hospitals are deciding to give their ventilators to the younger community so that they will have, like, because, quite frankly, they have a longer prognosis in general. Yeah, a higher you know? chance of surviving, right. too, because they're um, younger, so that means their immune system is also stronger. But also, what I wanted to say this, I don't know, our leaders, the ones that are, we are supposed to look up to, um, a nation as a whole, that we elected them, but they don't want to put their differences aside for something that is so catastrophic. They're putting politics before health. Exactly. And it's so, it's so sad, it's not right. So to move away from politics a little bit... Um... I wanted to discuss um, how coronavirus testing works because um, right now that is a pretty hot topic as far as in the coronavirus forum. So um, testing is obviously a really big part of the pandemic response. Um, and right now tests are having to be reserved for people that are either highly at risk or interacting with people that are highly at risk, um, not for, uh, I guess, common people. Um, because they're at less risk of the virus. So, like, healthcare professionals are prioritizing testing for older adults. So, there's several ways to test for it. Um, first, you got molecular tests. So, what molecular tests do is they look for signs of an active infection, and they involve taking a sample from the back of the throat with a cotton swab. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a somewhat uncomfortable process. They'll take a swab and just, like, stick it uh, in your nose, 
until it reaches the back of the nose and then swab it a little bit and then take it out. Um, so it is an uncomfortable process, but uh, it is important to go through, uh, even if it might be a very like squeamish process. Yeah. Uh, and then that sample is going to go undergo what's called a polymerase chain reaction test, or PCR test, and this um, detects signs of the virus as genetic material. Uh, and it can confirm a diagnosis of COVID-19 if it identifies two specific genes, but if it only identifies one gene, it's going to produce an inconclusive result, which is why it's a bit unreliable. Uh, and they can only help diagnose current cases. They can't tell whether someone's already had the infection and recovered. The second type is called a serological test. Um, and these tests detect antibodies. Um, and I believe these are what people are calling like antibody tests um, that people produce to fight the virus. Um, so basically when you when a virus enters your bloodstream, your body is going to create antibodies that are specifically for the virus as part of the immune response, as part of a way to remember the virus. So what the serological test does is it looks for the antibodies that someone uses to fight the virus, um, which will be present in anyone who has recovered from COVID-19. Uh, and they exist in blood and tissues throughout the body. Um, so serological tests usually require blood samples. Uh, they're useful de for detecting like uh, mild or no symptom coronavirus cases. And right now, uh, the, the CDC is looking for people who have had COVID-19. So if you have had COVID-19 and you would be willing to maybe donate some blood, you could reach out um, if you're in the Atlanta area or near a big CDC hub. But um, then uh, as far as like practicality of tests goes, um, public tests are conducted in public health laboratories. Um, and you can contact your state health department um, or if you know of a public health lab, um, in your state or in your city, um, you can go ask them to either get tested or see if you can help out. Uh, and the prices can vary um, from $35 to $52 um, for people with Medicare. Um, and these tests are restricted to people in dangers of serious illness. So if you are not vulnerable to the coronavirus, do not go get a test. Um, <laughs> it's more important for people who are more at risk of the virus, like people with severe symptoms people with health conditions, pregnant women, and older adults. Um, home tests are something that have been approved, but it's not very widespread and not entirely accurate um, as far as I know. Um, like the PCR test can produce false negatives, um, which is dangerous because then you might think that you don't have the virus, but you actually do. So make sure you're doing adequate research if you're going to get tested or if you want to do a home test. Uh, but that is the science of testing and the practicality of testing. Uh, you have anything you want to add? Um, no, I think you said it well. I, was... I think um, one thing that will help out a lot with the response is once we get these antibody tests going and we can identify people with the antibodies, uh, we can do more research on the structure of COVID-19, more research on how our body reacts to it. And I think pandemic response will be all the more approved after we get those tests going. Um, so as far as we go, because we are high school students, I think we should take a second to discuss how the coronavirus has affected us uh, and how the coronavirus has affected students, because I think that's a, a big issue that people are dealing with. So do you want to go ahead and start us off? Um, sure. So I, not only the academic wise, but also 
what I do after school. Uh, it's so, for me, it's a lot harder to learn online because it's always good to have that teacher to teacher or teacher to student interaction and to be able to ask for help, to be able to understand one thing. It's so much easier to just walk to your classroom be like, hey, I need help. You know what I mean? But instead mm-hmm. here, it's so, it's more difficult because it's just like you don't want to say something while they're speaking. It's so much harder to interact in general. Sure. But not only that, for me, I play soccer, like I stated at the beginning. Um, and that has changed completely for me. It's So I played a national league. And we were supposed to go to nationals. We won our league this year. Right. First place. But it's canceled. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's affected me as a high school student. That's how it's affected my friends that don't go to my school. But that is something that has affected them. Their sports, like soccer, that was going on, and baseball got just canceled halfway through. So how our school is functioning, um, granted, our school does have more resources. Uh, like the kids at our school might have more resources than at a public school. Um, all of us have school-issued laptops. Mm-hmm. So um, the way our school is going is we have – uh, usually on a regular school day, we will have A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and H periods in a day. So right now what we are doing is instead of having 45-minute periods every day of all eight classes, we are having one-hour um, periods of half the day. So we're doing A, B, C, D one day, and then E, F, G, H another day. Um, and I think while it is like... They're doing the best they can do, but it definitely is harder for a lot of people to learn. But a positive that we are finding is that uh, we are figuring out new ways to do remote schooling. So if we have, like, inclement weather or we, God forbid, have another um, crisis like this, we would be more well-equipped to deal with it. Um, Another thing that I would say is really affecting me is just kind of being closed up in my house. As a teenager, I have a lot of pent-up energy that I feel like I need to expend. So it's forcing me to go outside, but it's definitely not the same as, you know, having a team to interact with, having my classmates to interact with. And um, it definitely is harder being uh, somewhat starved of that social interaction and restricted to interacting with people exclusively on the computer. And that's that's the main reason it's affecting my life. It's because we're so used to something different because I know you, you're very busy with all the Mm. after school stuff you do. Now that we're cooped up at home, we're so used to doing different things that we have to put our energy in something else. Mm-hmm. On a more positive note, like um, I started this podcast because not not necessarily I was bored, but it had been something on my bucket list, um, and it had been something that I had wanted to do for a long time is just discuss current issues. And the coronavirus kind of gave me an outlet to do that, just because uh, I did end up having a lot more free time after school, but. Uh, the, the fact of the matter is the coronavirus has not been good for education, especially those who might not be as fortunate um, as us who are, who might not have the resources, whose school might not have the resources um, to deal with the virus, you know. So if you, do, um, if you do happen to either live with a doctor or happen to see a doctor somewhere, um, hopefully you're not outside, but uh, make sure to thank them for what they do. Um, they are on the front lines of the virus and... You just, uh, they deserve um, some sort of commendation. So make sure you thank them. 
they're doing their all they can to combat the virus for you for the veterans of the ongoing battle we have with the virus so i think we can wrap it up there um i hope you guys enjoyed we're not experts but this was produced by me my name's gar special thanks to claire for help with the idea and uh, special thanks to Issa for being here with me today and uh, we'll see you next time